0: My name is Al Gordon. And as always, I'm working on your financial freedom. But I'll tell you, all this inflation stuff is not helping you get ahead. You know it. I know it. The guy down the street knows it. The person that lives three blocks away, they're aware of this inflation problem. You know, here's the thing. I went to the store over the weekend and I I just went to go pick up a couple of necessary things around the house, things like milk, things like eggs, uh, li- little little things that we consume that that have a chance to expire over time. So we, we buy them in smaller portions and we, we go to the store and we routinely pick these things up. I'm, I'm sure you do the same. But what I've noticed is that the price of eggs has doubled. Have you noticed that? Have you noticed that the price of a dozen eggs is it's, it's literally doubled in price, Now, the government is going to tell you that that's okay. That's just the price of eggs. When you consider the price of eggs, you're only spending, say, $5 on a dozen when it used to cost you, say, $2.5. Now it costs you $5, but you're only buying... A dozen eggs, it's not like your mortgage payment went up. And therefore, because your mortgage payment is staying constant and your rent payment is staying constant, you're you're doing okay because you have enough you have enough constant payments in your life that you can absorb some of these increases in other areas of your life. That's that's the lie the government wants you to believe. And I don't want you to believe it. I don't want you to believe it at all. As a matter of fact, the closer we get to elections, the more lies are going to be coming in from the government. It's just the way politicians work. I mean, it's the, it's the only business model in the world where you are rewarded for being unethical. I don't know. I don't think it's fair to. OK, all right. I'm going to stand down. I don't think it's fair to broad brush paint every politician as unethical I, I actually do believe there are some ethical politicians out there but i also believe in the same breath that they're in the minority I really do. I think that when people get into the political game, they, they start to lose sight on why they went into the political game because the political game starts creating all these opportunities for them to maybe get ahead in life doing certain things or maybe, you know, deceiving a certain segment of America so that you could get personal gain. See, that's the problem I have with politicians. That's it right there is that they're supposed to represent me Yet sometimes they get into office and they start representing themselves or they represent their friends and they forget about me. OK, enough of the political banter. So so why did I start off saying that the government's probably lying to you? Well, because I think the government's lying to you. I think they're lying to you about your retirement plan. I think the government thinks that you think that your retirement plan is doing great. Yeah. Yeah. Let's let's see what Bankrate has to say about that, shall we? Bankrate said that more than half of Americans have stopped contributing to their 401k's. You heard me correctly. Half of Americans have made an informed decision That they're not going to put money into their retirement accounts, and the reasons cited are the increases in pricing across the board on things like eggs and milk and gasoline, etc., 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 and as a result of that, their quality of life has been impacted. Yes, their quality of life has been impacted. So disposable income, that's that's money that you don't normally spend on things that you absolutely have to have. Does that make sense? Like you have to have gasoline for your car, right? Unless you drive an electric vehicle and then you have to have a, a, a coal plant in order to fuel that electric car. Yeah, I, I firmly believe that a lot of electricity is created by The burning of coal which you know in some countries is done cleanly and some countries it's not done cleanly so whereas i i actually like the idea of electric cars i really do like the idea of electric cars but i also understand that there is a trade-off in the fact that we're still going to be using fossil fuels in order to power those electric cars yet all of America seems to be enamored with electric cars. The, the federal government is making policy decisions based on the fact they want you in an electric car by 2035, and it's blown up in our face. It is blown up in our face because of the policy decisions that were made almost two years ago. It stopped us from doing what we were doing with fossil fuels, and it put us on a glide path to try and get to some different kind of energy independence by 2035. Yet. Over half of Americans right now, right now, we're not even two electric cars yet. I mean, OK, Elon Musk is is making them. Uh, we have American car manufacturers that are that are creating electric cars. They're out there. I used to own a hybrid. That's that's why I love them. I mean, that thing was great. That thing got really excellent gas mileage. But I still had to have a gasoline engine as a part of that hybrid because the electric portion was only good for maybe I don't know. I might be able to get a 20 mile range out of it. It was it was really more more designed to augment the, the gas engine so that the gas engine wouldn't run at certain periods of time when it didn't need to run. And therefore my fuel efficiency went way up. So what does all this fuel efficiency have to do with your retirement plans? Well, that's the problem. And that's the problem that I have when I read bank rates saying that more than half of you have stopped. You've given up on retirement. Retirement is no longer in your wheelhouse. Retirement is something that's in the distant, future for you. And as a result of that, you've made the informed decision that you're just not going to play with retirement right now. You're not going to fund retirement right now. You're going to fund other things. Retirement is going to have to wait. And here's what I have to tell you. That is a recipe for disaster. It is a huge recipe for disaster. So as promised, we're going to get right into the email bag. I received an email from what I consider a longtime friend at Lifestyles Unlimited. His name's Daniel. Now, I have never physically met daniel at least i don't think i've physically met daniel daniel and i uh, actually started this relationship up uh, just prior to covid and then when covid hit obviously nobody was going to go meet anybody because we were all doing what the government told us to do right <laughs> yeah we were staying indoors we were hunkering down we were hoping we were essential workers and we were hoping to get through the pandemic and here we are on the other side of the pandemic. And I have still not physically met Daniel. But at the end of the day, that physical relationship isn't the most important thing. The most important thing is the relationship I have with him with regards to the communication that we have. Daniel is one of these guys that is working his way to full retirement. Now, if I remember correctly from the the emails, I think he was like one property away from actually fully retiring. So, so Daniel, you need to you need to update me so I can update everybody on on where your your progress is. But I think he's he's actually achieved retirement by now. And that's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing, and here's why. Retirement means you're in complete control of your life. Yeah, you're in complete control of your life. You get to make decisions as to whether or not you go to work or you don't go to work. It's it's no longer a situation where, hey, honey, I have to go to work today because if I don't go to work today, I don't earn any money. And then if I don't earn any money, I can't come home and I can't pay for all the stuff that we enjoy. See, that's that's the problem with the current retirement system we are so focused on having that job we're so focused on funding a 401k or maybe if you're self-employed or maybe if you work for somebody else you've got an IRA maybe you've got a traditional one maybe you've got a roth one maybe you're maybe you're a teacher maybe you've got one of those teacher plans or maybe maybe you've set up some 529s for your kids because that's that's the way you've decided you're going to be able to pay for college you've decided that you're not going to take out student loans and i agree with you there 100 percent agree with you there but your your plan is a little bit flawed because you're you're still trying to get this save your way to retirement yeah that's that's what you're doing right now you don't know it you think you're investing you totally think you're investing. Your, your financial planner has you absolutely convinced that you're investing. And I'll be honest with you, if you're putting money into a 401k, or if you're putting money into an IRA or, or one of those other plans that I talked about, or even one of those plans I didn't even think about, you are technically investing, but you don't really know what you're invested in. No, you don't. You have no idea. Okay, how many different stocks do you own? Do you know? How many different companies are you invested in? Do you know? Do you know the fractional shares of the companies that you own? Do you know those? You you probably don't. Now, you could probably clamor and go find a prospectus or something that came from your financial planner, you know, one of those you know six-inch books that they send you that tells you all about all the investments you're making. But those are all in the past. There's There's nothing in the future in that booklet. And when you go and you look at your, Your website, where it shows you, you know, how much money, what your balance is as of today, or whatever they they articulate to you. You have no idea what you're investing in. Somebody else is making those decisions for you. Now, you gave them some parameters you gave them a framework to work within. You either decided you wanted to be aggressive or you wanted to be non aggressive, or you wanted to be in certain types of growth stocks, or you wanted to be in certain types of stocks that paid dividends. You gave certain parameters to your financial planner. But then your financial planner turned around and gave all that information to somebody that actually makes trades based on whatever stock fund they put you in because they, they gave you some options, right? They give you like five or six different options and they kind of explain, hey, this one's like super growth. This one's like super uh, dividend, right? Everything in between is like everything in between. And you just went eeny, meeny, miny. I'll take that one. that That's kind of how it works, right? I'm, and trust me, I'm, I am not picking on you. I've been in that boat myself. That's why I can articulate to you how it works. So let's say you you decide, okay, I'm going to be in the A fund. So now you're in the A fund. And some of you are screaming, oh, I'm in the T fund now. Okay, I don't care what fund you're in. But essentially what you've said is you've given some, some global parameters to whoever it is. And by the way, you don't even know the whoever it is. Whoever it is, it's making the decisions as to what stocks go into that fund. Yeah, there is a fund manager that manages that fund and that fund manager gets paid based on how successful they are. Did you know that? Oh yeah, it's true. It's so, it's so true. As a matter of fact, the whole financial services industry, all all of those jobs out there, all of those buildings out there, all of that infrastructure that they, that they own, that's a part of their, their commercial package. Yeah. You're paying for all that. You didn't know that, did you? Yeah. You're paying for that. That's Part of the reason you only get 78% returns. Yeah. Seven, oh, and maybe you're not even getting 78% returns. Now, again, I'm not picking on you. I know what's going on in the stock market, but I'm here to tell you, I'm not in the stock market. Now, now the crazy thing is some of you, more than half of you have, have stopped contributing to your, your 401ks, your IRAs. You're just, you're just not putting the money in there anymore. You're, you're finding that it's difficult to make ends meet because of what's going on in this country. Now, I promised you I was going to read an email that came from Daniel, and and Daniel yeah, he's spot on here. He's he's citing a Wall Street Journal article that talks about how the the IRS is allowing. You heard me correctly. They are allowing you to increase your contribution rates. Yeah, you can increase your contribution rates to your 401k by how much? Oh, like two thousand dollars. Yeah, two thousand dollars per year. Yeah. How long does $2,000 last you today? Some of you are thinking, well, that doesn't even cover my house payment. That's my point. So saving $2,000 today for use tomorrow isn't going to buy you that much. And, and even if you put that $2,000 into the stock market, and even if the stock market's roaring and raging, how much is that $2,000 going to grow? All right, well let's let's take a look at what Daniel has to say. He said the medium four hundred one k balance of someone my age is about two hundred thirty two thousand dollars. Now I don't I don't quite recall Daniel's age. I think he might be a year younger than me or a year older. He's right in my ballpark. Let's just say he's late fifties. Okay, because I'm fifty eight. So let's just call Daniel late fifties. He says. Whether you can save $232,000 or $252,000 over your working career doesn't make too much of a difference in the grand scheme of things. You're still broke, living in a cheap condo, eating Hamburger Helper, and hoping your Social Security check will cover the rest of your expenses. Let that sink in for a minute. Now that's that's Daniel saying that to you that's not me that's Daniel giving you he's firing a shot across your bow. he is telling you especially if if you're our age, you're in a danger zone dude now there is still time for you to course correct and and right now is a very very, very good time for you to course correct it is a, and you're going, oh wait a minute, isn't the real estate market softening Is't the real estate aren't the prices going down? yeah, so what's your point? Well, how do you make money in real estate? Well, that's just one way you make money in real estate when the prices go up. You also make money when the prices go down. Well, how do you do that? Okay, well, that's another show. But I'm here to tell you, by investing in real estate, and this is what Daniel's trying to tell you, by investing in real estate, you can get this done in five years or less. You heard me correctly, five years or less. Not that 35 to 45 years you're, you're currently working on. We come back from the break. I'm going to give you the rest of Daniel's email. Got questions? Call Lifestyles Unlimited at 855-497-4335. The Real Estate Investor Radio Show continues next. Stop waiting, stop sitting around, stop procrastinating. This is your time, make it happen. Do it now. When's the best time? Now. People go, well, I don't know. It's gonna crash. It's gonna be better next year. It's, I've gotta listen to four more classes. I love guys come up to me and tell me, you know I've been listening to you on the radio for eight years now, right? I go, and you're not rich yet? Well, really, I'm thinking about joining next month. Do it now. Learn the skills you need to retire with real estate in five years or less. Do it now. Register for the Lifestyles Unlimited free online workshop, lifestylesunlimitedworkshop.com. Welcome back to the show. Actually, welcome back to the second half of the Lifestyles Unlimited Real Estate Investor Radio Show. Again, my name is Al Gordon. And if you're just joining me, I was talking about an email that came in from a longtime listener of mine. His name's Daniel. He's a Lifestyles Unlimited member. And Daniel and I actually have a pretty neat relationship, but the relationship itself exists primarily Through email communications, I've I've never physically met Daniel, at least as far as I know I never have. And part of the reason for that is a pandemic kind of gotten in the way. I started getting to know Daniel before the pandemic hit and then the pandemic hit and well, we all know what happened there. Right. And as we started coming out of the pandemic, um, I still didn't get a chance to to meet Daniel there. There were events that I could have gone to that I didn't go to that maybe he went to uh, and vice versa. And I think we were going to connect at uh, one of our expo events um, that we were holding up in Irving about a year ago, and it was during 2021. And he actually was taking a cruise. So he wasn't going to go to the expo because he had booked this cruise. The cruise lines had finally started opening up. And, you know, he got all of his inoculations and he felt pretty good about it. So he wound up going on a ch- cruise. But I think he said something like 10 or 20 of his friends. And he just had... A marvelous time and what that cruise did for him was it it reinforced in his mind everything that he is doing to achieve retirement. Now, if I recall correctly, the last time I asked Daniel, I'm going to say it was maybe close to a year ago. The last time I asked him how he was doing with his retirement, I think he was one property away from retiring. In other words, he needed one more in his portfolio to actually qualify him to to, to leave his job. So so Daniel, since I know you're listening to this, do me a favor, give me an update. I'm, I'm really curious, and I'm sure our listeners are also curious as to your progress. But let me get back into his email. What he was telling me was that the average or the median, I should say, um, 401k balance for somebody his age. And I think he's about my age. We'll just say late fifties is $232,000. Yeah. $232,000. And and even though the IRS is allowing you to contribute up to $2,000 more per year, that's, that's really not going to make it for you. It's, it's really not going to do, as much as you think it's going to do, because that $2,000 that you would contribute would have to grow immensely. And if you're getting a 78% return in your 401k, then what's 78% return on $2,000 every year? Yeah, do the math. It's probably going to take you close to, I don't know, 15 years just to double the money. Yeah, it might, might be shorter than that. It might be closer to 12. I'm just doing some mental math, and, and my mental math isn't necessarily working as accurately as it should today. So I'm just going to guesstimate and I'm going to say maybe 12 to 15 years to double that money. Yeah, but real estate, real estate, it, it doesn't take as long to double your money. As a matter of fact, the type of deals that I'm invested in right now have a doubling effect that should hit at about the the third year. Now, one of those investments is actually on track to hit the doubling effect at the two-year mark. Now, we're not doing anything illegal. We're not doing anything immoral. We're doing everything in accordance with the law and we're doing everything in accordance with good order, what I would call good order and discipline with regards to investing our money and investing our money correctly. And this is the difference between what you're doing and what Daniel's doing. Let me get back to Daniel's email because he he makes a very specific point that I want you to hear. And I want you to hear it coming from him and not from me. That way you get a second witness. Yeah. And some of you understand that witness thing. If you take... $232,000. Remember, that's the median balance of a 401k for people basically Daniel's age, my age. If you take that $232,000 and you pay one third of it in taxes, because you'll pay up to one third of it in taxes, because when you take that money out, if you're not 59 and a half, you will pay a 10% penalty. If, if you are 59 and a half, you won't pay the 10% penalty. You will have, you will have aged out of it, so to speak, but you still will be liable for taxes at whatever your ordinary tax rate is. So let's say you're up in the 20 to 30% tax bracket, depending on where you live. You could be paying up to a third of that money in taxes, Yeah, so it could be be more than a third of it. I mean, you think about it. If you're in a 25% tax bracket and you pay the 10% penalty, that's a 35% tax right there. That's more than a third. So what Daniel's trying to say is paying those taxes, well, he says it right here, it will hurt. Paying those taxes will hurt. That's exactly what he says. Those are Daniel's words, not mine. And when it's all said and done, you're going to have $150,000 left. That's all you're going to have is $150,000 left. So option A is live off $150,000. dollars and see how long that'll last. Yeah, and you're already thinking, dude, I make $150,000 a year. How long do you think that's going to last? And I think that's going to last maybe a year, a little over a year. And you're going to be out of money, and you're going to be right back in the job market. So Daniel has some advice for you. He says, do this. Take that $150,000. Go out and buy three rental properties. Yeah, he says, just go out and buy three rental properties. And you should easily have an extra $1,000 a month in cash flow. An extra $1,000 a month in cash flow coming off those three properties. It could be higher. It could be higher. But Daniel's being very conservative. He's just telling you, you you can get an extra 1000 bucks a month off of those three houses. Plus, he even sweetens the deal. Because Daniel's done all this stuff. He knows how this works. Yeah. He says, you'll gain benefits from the... Four other ways that Lifestyles Unlimited members make money in the single family real estate market. Yeah. You want to know what those are? Okay. Well, the first one's the cash flow. That's, That's something that what you're investing in now isn't doing for you. You are not earning cash flow. And if you are earning cash flow in your 401k, any cash flow that comes from that 401k goes right back into that 401k, never makes it to your wallet. All monies earned by that 401k have to go back into the 401k. You cannot use any profits to retire yourself until you take money out of the 401k. And and for those of you that are thinking, oh, I know how to do this. I'll borrow money from the 401k and I'll buy some houses. Okay, well, that's, that's kind of one way to do it, but you're still going to have to pay back that 401k. Yeah, you're still going to have to give the money back to the 401k. So Daniel's kind of suggesting just, just dump it, dump it. Scare's the daylights out of you, doesn't it? He says dump the whole thing. Take your 150,000, go buy yourself three houses. Yeah. And then take advantage of the other four ways we make money in real estate, not just the cash flow. So there's there's appreciation, and some of you are saying, "Well, real estate's not appreciating right now." Well, it depends on the market you're in. It absolutely depends on the market you're in. Stop watching the national news. The national news is crying about all these overvalued places in america that lifestyles unlimited members do not invest in we do not invest in those markets they're over inflated why would we invest in an overinflated inflated market it makes zero sense so we don't do that now i will tell you the prices are softening they're softening but they're not dropping Dramatically, they're coming down to where they should be. But even the single family house that I still own still commands a great value compared to what it commanded two years ago. Okay, so I'm not buying this whole real estate is, is melting down. You're still going to earn appreciation. And by the way, you're going to hold these houses for three, five, maybe seven years, depending on your investing strategy. And over that time, the markets will have the ability to recover. If they're not doing for you what you think they should be to, doing, just, just give them a little bit of time. After all, you do that with your, your stock market, don't you? And the real estate market tends to recover quicker than the stock market does. Yeah, go, go do your own research. Or I don't, I don't want to do the research for you. I know that was kind of mean, wasn't it? All right, I'll do the research for you, but I, I've actually done it, and that's that's my finding. All right, so three other ways. Three other ways. There's something called equity capture. Now you're thinking, what is that? What is this equity capture stuff? What we're going to teach you how to do is buy properties at wholesale pricing and fix them up while still maintaining that wholesale pricing. So we're digging into Daniel's email and what Daniel's suggesting is that if you're our age, in other words, you're you're in your late 50s and you're looking at that 401k balance and it's looking like it might be eh, right at the median point of $232,000, what Daniel's suggesting is that you need to consider retiring today. Yeah, he's, he's literally challenging you to retire today. He wants to see if you can live off $232,000 from now until the end of your life. And he's willing to allow you to collect Social Security along the way, whether that's the age of 62 or the age of 65 or maybe the age of 67, or maybe you're going to max it out to the age of 70, or maybe maybe the government will come along and they'll decide, you know what, Americans are retiring too young. They're too young. And as a result of that, we're going to extend the retirement age out even further so now now and i'm not saying the government did this i'm not saying the government did this but the government could do this because they've already done it in the past that's how we got to a maximum retirement age of 70 to collect your maximum social security benefit which by the way for some people would have been collected at 65 yeah because the government changed the rules midstream so daniel's saying He doesn't think you could retire right now on $232,000, and I think he's right, because in order for you to retire on $232,000, you're going to have to tap into that money. In order to tap into that money, you're going to have to pull it out of that 401k. In order to pull it out of that 401k, you're going to have to pay the taxes on that money, because when the money went in, it went in tax-free, right? That was the game plan, right? You were allowed to put money in tax-free, and it could grow tax-free, until you get to the end point where you take it out, and that's where they tax you. See, the government's going to get their money somewhere down the road. They don't care if they get it on day one or day 30 or year one or year 30. They really don't care. They're going to get their money one way or another. They're willing to wait for it. In this case, they'd be willing to wait for it, but they're going to get about one-third of what you take out because you're going to pay taxes, and if you're not 59 and a half, you got a 10% penalty, period. Now, Daniel and I are not 59 and a half. At least I'm pretty sure Daniel's not. So penalty time, penalty time. Now, I will tell you, my effective tax rate right now is 12%. It's probably lower than your effective tax rate. Now, the reason my tax rate is so high is about half of my sources of income come from ordinary sources of income. You heard me correctly, ordinary sources of income. In other words, uh, like I've got a pension and that is taxed as Ordinary income. Actually, I've got two pensions and both of them are taxed as ordinary income, but the rest of my income is not taxed that way. The rest of my income is taxed like real estate. And as a result of that, it's the real estate taxation that is actually bringing down my effective tax rate because my effective tax rate, if I just had the ordinary income would be higher then 12%, it'd actually be closer to about 25%. Actually, I think I did the math and it worked out to be about 24%. So let's, let's, let's just call it what it is, 24% tax rate. That's, that's significant. And if I were to cash in a 401k and I was paying a 24% tax rate, which is probably about what you're paying right now, um, you would pay a 34% tax rate because you you and I, we'd be paying the, the penalty for taking that money out because we're not 59 and a half. I would have to wait a whole nother year in order to skip that. But in a year, a lot can change. A lot can change. As a matter of fact, the assets that you buy today, a lot can change very favorably for those assets over the next year year of time, not not to mention the fact that you're giving up a year's worth of cash flow. You heard me correctly, and remember, in the earlier segment, Daniel mentioned that if you if you were to cash in that four hundred one k and and you wound up with about one hundred fifty thousand dollars, that's all it that was left. He he suggested go out and buy three rental properties, go buy three single family houses, and those houses are going to produce about thousand dollars a month in passive income. That's one way we make money in real estate. Those houses are also going to give you the opportunity to capture equity. I talked about that before we went to the break. You're paying wholesale pricing, but you're commanding retail pricing levels. So in other words, a house that has a retail value of say $200,000, we're going to buy it. We're going to fix it up. And let's say our all in cost is $180,000. The difference between those two numbers, $20,000 is the equity that we captured just by doing this deal. It's, it's $20,000 in additional wealth that gets basically put on our balance sheet. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a beautiful thing. Now, another way we make money in real estate has to do with the fact that we are paying down a mortgage. Now, we believe in putting the the effective amount of leverage on a property. For a single-family house, that's about 75 to 80%. Yeah. So what we're going to do is we're going to buy these properties. We're going to fix them up. We're going to use a hard money asset in order to acquire and, and take care of most of, if not all of the repair costs, and that's going to keep our cash out of pocket to as minimum of a level as possible. We like that because the less money that we put into a property, the greater our returns. Did you know that? Percentage-wise, the greater our returns. So in other words, we get better returns by using less of our cash. That makes our cash more efficient. Yes, more efficient. So We've got the cash flow coming in. We've got the fact that we captured equity because we bought it at wholesale pricing, yet we command retail pricing on it. We're paying down a mortgage. Every month when we pay that mortgage down, a portion of it reduces the principal owed. So as a result, that principal that we owe goes down over time, which increases our equity in the property. Yes, it's another way that we make money in real estate. Now, another way that we make money in real estate has to do with the taxes. Yeah, the tax advantages. I I told you just a moment ago that if if I didn't have real estate in my portfolio, my effective tax rate would be closer to 24%. It's currently... 12 percent. If I could eliminate all of the ordinary income, if I could find a way to convert all of that ordinary income into real estate, I can't because their pensions and the way they're set up. I can't just pull the money out of them. It's just the way it is. I'm stuck with them. And by the way, when I die, my wife gets 55 percent of them while she continues to live. And then when she dies, none of it goes to my heirs. So, yeah, it's 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 a it's it's something that pays me, but it's not going to pay me in perpetual life unlike real estate, will pay me in perpetual life. Because with the real estate assets that I own, oh, yeah, if I die tomorrow and Mrs. Gordon dies tomorrow, my kids inherit those properties, and they'll be able to continue to operate those properties. Oh, by the way, they get a, what's called a stepped-up basis. So any, any taxes that I owed on that property, yeah, it goes away. It goes; They don't have to pay the... The increase in the gains that I would have owned when they take that over. But that's not the the tax advantage I'm talking about. The tax advantage I'm talking about is the fact that I am allowed, I'm actually directed by the IRS to do this. Yeah, the IRS pretty much mandates that I take something called depreciation. In other words, they say that your property has a, a limited lifespan. And they say that residential properties have a lifespan of 27 and a half years. They say that Your property will wear out over 27 years, and it'll be basically worthless. The only thing that will be worthwhile on that property is the land underneath it. And as a result of that, they won't allow you to depreciate the land, but they'll allow you to depreciate all of the improvements that you make on that property. So you're going to take all those depreciation write-offs, and you're going to offset the cash flow that you bring in on the property, oh, this is beautiful. This is very beautiful, which is going to reduce the amount that you owe in taxes. So let's say, let's say on these three properties, let's say you brought, okay, well, Daniel says you bring in $1,000 a month. Let's say that the depreciation you write off on these properties is $800 per month. Your tax liability is only $200 per month that's twenty four hundred dollars for the year now you're gonna pay taxes at whatever your ordinary tax rate is let's say it's 25 percent so you, you're already doing the mental math right okay that that is a much lower number than if you were taxed on the full amount of forty eight hundred dollars does that make sense to you it makes total sense to you right okay actually um, 24 to yeah okay so that I was doing the math in my head because I was trying to keep up with you this is a This is a game changer, folks, because you're allowed to use this depreciation to offset income streams. Let's say you have a property that produces more depreciation than you're actually earning in the cash flow. Can you use that depreciation for something else? And the short answer is yes. Within the IRS limits, you can use that depreciation. This is how if I only had real estate paying me, I would be closer to a 3% tax rate like my friend Mike that I've talked about on the show. Mike is making, I don't know, something like, let's just call it six figures a year off of his real estate income. And he is paying an effective tax rate of 3%. You know, I know it's a effective tax rate of 3% because he showed me the cover letter from his 1040 that he filed with the United States government that his CPA prepared for him. On the front cover, in in a a special line, it said, your effective tax rate is colon colon 3%. And I went, dude, that's awesome. That's awesome. Okay, so, so why does the government do this? Why do they do this for us? It's because the government realizes that people in this country... They desire and, and in many cases they they require housing and the government, as much as they want to be the be-all end-all for everybody, they're really not they're really not and they're they're not really good at doing anything. One of those things that they're not good at doing is providing housing. you can look at. The low-income housing programs that exist in this country. And as far as Al's concerned, the majority of them are a dismal failure. They don't do what they're supposed to do. They're not they're not maintained the way they're supposed to be maintained. The government just gets it wrong. So what does the government do? Well, they just hand all the benefits to us. That's part of the reason Daniel wants you to be a Lifestyles Unlimited member, to join him and join me in achieving retirement in five years or less.